Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome everybody to episode 8 of Heavy Metal Tones. It's October, so what does that mean to us? It's Halloween month. So I think that this sort of uh, time of year is very relevant to the music that we listen to here on the podcast and out in the world there. It's uh, it's that time of month where, what time of year, when, when people like to put up skeletons and, you know, lanterns and dress up and play trick or treat mainly so more so in the american uh, the americas and now in europe here in australia it's not as popular a lot of dress up parties and you get the occasional trick or treat and a bit of cobwebs put here and there but it's not as big as it is in america so i always think you americans do it very well anyway what i thought talk about is the the relevance between um the heavy metal music we listen to and its dark themes and the devil in music i'm very interested in this particular um aspect of it uh, i'll give you a background on myself the reason why i like halloween a lot is that for me it's not about putting up things and trick-or-treating it never was for me it's just about watching lots of horror movies now i watch a lot of horror movies horror movies anyway but it's just an excuse to watch more <laughs> for me um uh, as a young boy, growing up in the 70s, my father was a big fan of horror movies and he loved being scared. And um, it, it, because I've got older brothers, much older than me, they weren't interested in, in sitting with dad and watching the late night movie on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night, either which one, I can't remember, it's too long ago now. But So I, I was a bit free range, I didn't have bedtimes really and I didn't, I mean, dad would watch stuff with me that... It wasn't inappropriate. He knew if it was inappropriate whether not to watch it, but it was mainly just sort of camp 70s horror movies, mainly in the field of Hammer and the RKO, RKO black and white horror movies, and then your universals like your mummy and your Dracula and so on. And then if, we were, if I was lucky, I'd get the Abbott and Costello meets the mummy or Abbott and Costello meets the Wolfman and so on. So a bit funny as well. And from that sort of aspect grew my love of of horrors, watching my dad cower, honestly, really, he was such a coward, my father, um, he loved it, um, you know, other, and because of that, my life changed quite 
dramatically. I I was watching, um, I vividly remember it, I was watching Hammer's Frankenstein with Christopher Lee. When the monster gets shot in the eye and that blood spurts out, the Kensington gore, uh, it was the first time on in major cinema, probably in British cinema really, where the, where blood had been shown on screen so viscerally. Yes, it was a bit pink, but it was still blood. And um, I remember the way my dad, the sharp intake of breath, that, oh my God, the shock value. And I thought, to myself, I wonder how they do that. I wonder how they make him look like the, the monster. And so I would spend all my time in the libraries getting books out on how to, to do it. I remember getting Dick Smith's monster, um, his monster book, copying all of his stuff. Um, you know, I'd use household equipment to make, wounds and scars i used to, i learned to use gelatin and and uh, my poor brother was the most he was very into it so he loved being the experiment uh and uh a sort of the big though game changer was when my brother and i watched american wolf in london and uh, saw uh, rick baker's werewolf transformations and i just said to my brother then that's it I, i'm doing that's i'm going to do that and, you know, I was very lucky. I went and studied. I went to art college and I went and studied uh, special effects. I did mainly theatre, to be honest, in the UK for most of it. And then when I came to Australia, it was TV and theatre, but TV, film and theatre. And then I did that for, you know, over 10 years. But the, the reason I gave up, sadly, was that the progress had taken over. The arse end of the business had fallen out and... Um, you know, instead of me spending, I know, five, six hours or eight, nine hours sculpting, and then, you know, moulding and painting and applying for hours on end and, and being on set all the time, it was just about, oh, we can do it with, we can do it with, um, we can do it with CGI. Now, great CGI like Gollum and Lord of the Rings, brilliant, but most, the time when I kicked over and changed out, oh, sorry, bang, um, it was the bad CGI. Um, if any of us have seen, if any of you have seen the Lawnmower Man, it's a great movie, Lawnmower Man, so Stephen King novel, um, short story, it's a terrible, terrible movie. The CGI in it is so awful. Um, and then there was a few, and they did, they did remade Cat People and his CGI, and they did all this sort of stuff, just really bad. And I just, you know, I thought, well, I can't compete. So then I started doing other things. I'd go into, I was doing makeup, but I wasn't doing the special effects. And then I just got really bored and didn't want to do any more. Um, and so changed track of, track of life. But hey, these things happen. But it's still in my DNA, right? It's still my love of horror movies. And I think that horror shock aspect is what we're going to talk about today in most part. Um, uh, that's, that's it. Uh, where are we going to begin? We'll begin at the beginning, uh, I think. Shock and awe in music, or the devil in music. People often say that, and it's famous, that the devil has the best music. Uh, of course he does. We know that. Um, I mean, it would be, it's, it, you all, if you are religious, you aspire to be in heaven, but you want to have fun with the devil, right? That's the, that's, that's the key. Um, it's going right back, if you go back to the beginning of, well, I was looking at it, when I was thinking about this podcast and thinking, what do I say? I thought about right back at the beginning of written music. When, even before written music, if you think, the, I believe that the ability to create music, is um, spiritual, it's a spiritual. Thing, all art is spiritual, but music itself is more spiritual because you emote and you, in 
and you um, talk to more people with five bars of music than you would with a lifetime's worth of paintings. Um, and so think about that. You know, the, the people were right, like me. You imagine, so 400 years ago, when people were very illiterate, couldn't read or write, they looked at the church to save them and look after them and keep them safe in their spiritual and physical needs. And in that church, you've got people writing music, choral music, um, you know, um, spiritual music, church music, and it's beautiful and uplifting and um, just clean and pure. And and those people look on that and go, well, look at that. I'm looking at these people writing it. These must be people from God because they can make this wondrous noise that makes me happy. Then you think, then then on the other side, there are people, then someone comes along and plays the, uh, as I talked about before on other episodes, you know, your tritones, your suspended sevenths, your augmented fifths, things that are um, a bit stark and angular and dark. Well, that must be the devil, mustn't it? Because why would they not keep making clean, pure, orchestral, monk um, hymn music? Why is this dark stuff? But it must be satanic. And I think that's where it stems from. And then if you look at, um, if you look at then sort of classical music, you know, the likes of Wagner and um, Mahler, you know, to some extent, some Beethoven and some Mozart. You know, Mozart's a light motif, but they still has heavier music. These people were frowned upon, looked, you know, were shunned by communities and and by their and by their peers because they're making music that's heavy and dark. So we move forward and we think, okay, well, we've had you know the many phases of music. I mean, the, the classic story of Rob uh, of. Um, um, Oh, God, you know, see, I wrote the notes. I left them downstairs. I should record upstairs. I left them downstairs. Give me a moment. I'm going to have to just... My brain has gone... Sorry about that. Told you soon. See, wait a minute. Back now. And I've got my teeth. That's good. I knew as soon as I left the, the bloody room, I knew what it was. It, Robert Johnson, when he sold, apparently sold his soldiers at the crossroads to the devil to make himself famous and, write, and to be the best guitarist in the world, um, you know... Just because he went away for two or three months and came back with better guitars doesn't mean he sold his soul. It's a lovely story, though. He could have just played and be influenced and played every minute of the day to learn, you know. Anyway, so from there on, okay, you've got this concept of the devil within music. And when we come to, when we electrified music, when we, when we then electrified music, that I think brought more to the table. You know, because rock and roll is the devil's music, and, I, and I'm not going to say this as not Christian. I'm not. I'm not. I'm really non-denominational in my faith, really. And I don't care what you think or what your faith is. Um, it's up to you. It all is good if it makes you happy. Um, but the rock and roll is the devil's music. Why? Because it took people away from their scripture and from their learning and from their school. Because deep down in the soul, in your, in it, it grabs you by your very soul, and it makes you want to move. I don't care who you are, rock and roll, in its very core, it's just its simple 
music structure is exciting and inviting and makes you want to go and do things passionately and 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 and, and urgent and urgently you don't put on rock and roll really where you, you could, probably could do i suppose but you don't sit down and go mm, yeah just tap my toes you do, do good rock and roll you want to move around and all music essentially that we listen to that you're listening to and you'll listen to after this podcast and i will as well is essentially rock and roll at its core whether it's heavy slow fast dark black it's it's essentially rock and roll and so so where i'm going from so but from that is to say is that um that when we electrify music then income i think really he then the the concept of the darker sides of music comes in and we don't really get anything i mean apart from you know the moral aspect in america with elvis and not showing his hips because he didn't want to in you know enrage or enrage the hormones of young ladies um you know uh or or even then you know the the screaming at the beatles and the um, you know, the the raw passion of the Stones that the Beatles didn't have. Um, they were more your clean cut, even though they did darker stuff. The Beatles were the were the dark ones. So it moves through there, right? You've got all these influences of rock and roll, and first it, and jazz again. I mean, like jazz before blues. So the birth, you know, if you look at the heritage of modern music, jazz, blues, rock and roll, and then everything on top of that. Um, but jazz itself is also, um, I mean, it's another podcast, I think I could easily talk about this. It, this is also the darker side of music because it was non-structured. It's, it's um, it, it, if you listen to good jazz, and I'm not talking about that really strange, you know, weird stuff, you know, no one knows what they're doing kind of jazz, but jazz, like Ella Fitzgerald jazz and stuff like that, where it's, it's, um, really it's very unusual time signatures and people are doing strange things with instruments that weren't done before and because it was different well it must be the devil it must be evil i think that moves through it straight through and into blues you know and blues again the same thing they're playing these um intricate guitar pieces and it's all and it goes again also with blues hence the blues it's not Hey, let's walk around in the field holding hands, poppies and sunshine and Jesus and the light. It's it's about their real life and about slave, um, uh, you know, being enslaved and losing your love and being repressed. And again, that also again, if I think about it as well, a lot of the gospel music that's also influencing your your jazz and your blues. All your slave, and I hate that word, sorry, but slave music from their, you know, people who are in slave nations, um, they were using music to pull themselves out from their everyday sadness and, and life and look into the light. And I think that also sort of trickles down slightly into your, your jazz and your blues. So there's a light two sides to the coin. Anyway, I think I've gone way off point of where I was but I, I quite enjoy that sort of thing <laughs> it's rambling but as I was saying so then you've got your blues and then you've got your rock and roll and then from then and from your, you know your Beatles and your Stones and your Mersey Beats and all this sort of stuff 
rock and roll music. I'm talking about the UK anyway. And in America, of course, you've got lots of other things. You've got your country and um, all sorts. But it's still your rock and roll. It wasn't until um, one band changed it all uh, and really brought, from my mind, I've done some, I mean, I could re- I mean, I could be wrong. But one band changed it all for me, um, or for the world in general. I will mention that. I'm just going to go and get myself a cup of, cup of tea. So I'm going to stop that there. I will come back and we'll talk about what changed. Which band changed the world and what happened afterwards. Uh, anyway, I'll talk to you soon. Just go and put the kettle on. Go and get yourself a cup of, cup of tea or a sandwich or dinner or beer or whatever you're doing, whatever time the world, in the world it is. But I'm going to put my kettle on. I'll talk to you soon. guys i've got my tea i'm ready to go now i wonder if you with while the break was there while you're thinking i wonder if i know what band it is of course you'd all know what band it is it's black sabbath formed in 1968 in birmingham this uh, four-piece band of hippies um and uh, just crazy wild-eyed youths of po- post-war youths um were making originally blues music they were in a band called earth and i have a friend of mine who saw them when they were called earth she is from birmingham she also saw pink floyd she was there when they recorded i'm a gummer but hey you know i i have that i'm jealous at that point but anyway uh yes so they they released their first album black sabbath um self-titled now I'm just going to have a look at what year that was released. I should know that off the top of my hand, being a big fan of the band. But, you know, the brain. 1970. So two years after forming. Um, and everyone thinks of Black Sabbath as a band that plays predominantly um, dark, satanic or black music, uh, black metal kind of music this is not the case this is their first album the only reason they recorded this album and called themselves black sabbath and wrote horror movie themes in their songs is that they wanted to be something different there was a the blues market was flooded in the uk it was absolutely flooded you know with jeffro toll and, and they were just doing there was so many blues bands and they just wanted to be something different now they were big fans of hammer horror movies there was a horror uh, cinema over the road from the recording of uh, where they were uh, jamming. There was playing horror movies, and they thought, "Well, let's do something different." And of course, Tony, being the genius that Tony is on guitar, Tony Iommi, he's playing these intervals and um, you know the devil's tones, tritones, and diminished fifths. And then with Ozzy coming out with that, you know, lamenting opening lines. Um, and of course the you know Bill Ward with splat you know his intricate deep bass drumming and you know Giza with the I mean Giza on bass is just unbelievable he's just sitting there and rumbling away um, and so 
I think that's where it starts, 1970. Of course, all their albums afterwards, if you look at their albums afterwards, and again, again, Paranoid, Master of Reality, Volume 4, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, Baby, Sabotage, Techno Ecstasy, Never Say Die, all the ones, all the ones with Ozzy particularly. I keep hitting the mic, sorry guys. Um, the Very few songs on there are satanic-based or dark-based. It's really their first album. Um, you know, same with uh, Iron Maiden, you know, for a long time, because Never uh, Number of the Beast, they all thought they were sat- Satanists. Uh, they couldn't be further from the truth, really. I mean, they might be, who cares? I don't care if they are, but they couldn't be further from the truth, I don't think. Um, and so it starts. And so we all know that really heavy metal starts at the birth of, of Black Sabbath. They're, they're the, they started it. You know, there was heavy rock before, but these, these guys really sort of created the sound. And then other bands come along um, after that. Not I mean, 10 years after, well, I think we, we see the very first... I mean, if you look at the cover, if you look at the cover of Black, of Black Sabbath's first album, with the lady in the field and the house behind it, if you took away the writing Black Sabbath and put, you know, Linda's Farn or um, Barclay James Harvest on there, You'd flick through that in a store in 1970 and go, oh, well, it's just another hippie album. It doesn't actually scare or jump out, or it has to be a coldness to it, but it's not terrifying, you know? I mean, only 10 years previous to that, the Beatles had released that album, um, uh, Never, oh, the one with the babies on the front cover uh, that they had to change, where they had babies with the, the dolls with bits of meat on them. You know, then that's a very rare cover. Then they relate, recovered it with them just sitting there on the front. That's a dark cover, but it's not. But the music inside is nothing like what's on the front of the cover. Um, and same, so same with Sabbath. And so there's this, this image that there is dark demonic band, and it followed them for I think forever. Really, I mean, they really like being. I mean, I don't. Ozzy hates the term heavy metal. I think he just doesn't like it. He just wants to be rock and roll. He's a rock and roll. He was a skinhead. Yeah, you know, he, he used to walk around the streets in caftans with a dummy around his neck. He did all sorts of weird things. So he wasn't really a heavy metal guy. I mean, he gets lumped in that. And he's great, he's made his life for it. But anyway, it was not till 10 years later. So 1980, we get the first, I think, the first real mainstream cover, even though it wasn't mainstream. It's a band called Witchfind. They're a member of the, they're a band in the new wave of British heavy metal um, phenomena, my favourite subgenre of heavy metal, and it, their front called "Give 'Em Hell." The album is, and on the front cover, it's got a crudely painted picture of Baphomet the Devil. It's not scary by any means, but it's the first time I that I think it came into our seeing. I've seen, I've got that. It's an amazing album, um, really good. If you like, just good old fashioned rock and roll with a little bit of evil side to it. It's the um, uh, and then the year after comes the real daddy of them all. And that's Venom's Welcome to Hell. I've talked about this before, back in a few episodes back. But, you know, it's got the pentagram, it's got Baphomet or the, um, you know, the, the Goat of Mendes, as some people call it, on the front. Uh, it is absolutely terrifying. I found that that particular cover even to this day I've got the patch on the back of my jacket 
from that cover and when I first put it on I couldn't look at it, it and I'm not even Christian and I'm not I don't I'm not scared it just had something seethingly evil about it um, but that's when when the music then reflects the image because at the moment up to that point you know it was all bluff and bluster you know pictures of the devil and stuff like that nothing really satanic you know 19 and of course then you have around that same period you've got as we talked about before my um iron maiden's number of the beast and on that album only one song really is has a satanic feel to it and that is number of the beast all right um Again, did they write that song for shock value? I don't think so. I think they just had a fucking good song they wanted to put out, and it happened to be that. Happened to. I mean, I know that Steve Harris, Steve Harris, and Bruce Dickinson and the lads do read a bit of um, Dennis Wheatley, and they were reading that sort of stuff. So maybe, I mean, again, guys, if you don't know, I know it's Halloween month, and this is I'm decided this is going to be a two-parter. So this is part one for the Halloween month episode. Um, do get yourselves around reading or watching Hammer's version of The Devil Rides Out by Dennis Wheatley. Um, to, uh, honestly, brilliant. He knew Alistair Crowley, who was the once fated as the most evil man in the world. Um, uh, he, who was the head of his own um, church, not satanic church, although he did dabble with Satanism, but I think he was more... Um, into older cults. I mean, let's face it, the devil on the planet is not as old as you think he is. Um, there are much, much older faiths before before Christianity, um, uh, and so he devils with devils with that. Um, and that's another interesting story, but nothing music related. But you might enjoy that. Get into looking into him. Fascinating, fascinating man. Um, Yes, yeah, so we get into that. We get to the. We're looking at the art now, and the art starts to become darker and more reflective, and bringing out that you know, here's the devil in music. So originally, as I said before in part one, it's about the devil making the music behind the music. You know, why you know being scared of what's not clean, floral, monastic music into a youth music. And uh, and giving the and 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 corrupting the the morals of miners, you know, um, with their heathen, hip shaking rock and roll. How dare these young boys? I mean, let's face it: the the term teenager only arrives in the fifties. Up until then, you left school at thirteen or, or younger, and you went to work. You didn't have, and then you raised, you married, and you raised a family. You didn't have. A teenage years where you explored your life and your youth and your and your and your personality it was given to you and you just you just were taken but, but that was it you know um and so not till the 50s of post-war do we do we get that you know with the with on the waterfront with um you know um what's his name the godfather he with his white t-shirt on you know and on a, on, a, on a motorbike with the cigarettes rolled into the sleeve, and Elvis Presley, and, and and that whole rock and roll scene. So then, then, then we start really bringing that into music. Then we start the music starts lyrically reflecting the um, the big Mister D, 
you know, in 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 the in in its uh, in its pros. And I, again, I mean, I'm I could be wrong here, but one, I, I still think that Venom were the first, you know, um, to really do that. Where you put on Welcome to Hell, every part of that album, every single song on that album has got something to do with the satanic sides, right? You know, every single one of it. Even not directly referencing Satan or the devil, he's certainly, um, is certainly, you know, in deep within the, the lyrical prose. So we then begin this movement of heavy metal with darker themes. You know, bands like Satan come out, you know, and, and write albums. Even called Satan, for God's sake. And again, a new wave of British heavy metal band. And then follow, flowing from there, we have your thrash albums and your thrash bands and your your your, your black metals and, and, and so on. Up until the point where... Um, but be, I think... But the reason it didn't... When... <laughs> I think when Venom came out and released that album, it's such a game changer. Um, previously, when Sabbath released um, Black Sabbath, there was an outcry a bit about it because there was we had we had, we would come from out from a war. We had the hippie sixties where everyone was love and peace, but everyone was scared of that as well because no one likes change. And then you've got the Cold War, and then you've got all this economic problems and. They come out with this, and it was like, no, we don't like that. It's too much change. I don't, they weren't looking at that and going, oh, you know, they they were going, they were looking from that side of it. it was when Venom arrives on the scene, uh, we'd already been through three, two, three years of, of a punk revolution with violence on the streets and, uh, um, you know, uh, race viol- race riots in Toxteth and in in the and in the East End of London. Uh, three-day weeks where you know where we had we had um, no electricity and power uh, f- uh, for the rest of the week. Only three days because men could only work three days because of labour strikes and coal strikes and coal miner strikes. And um, you know we, England itself was in a real state. I mean, I grew up in the seventies in London, and I remember the crap everywhere: shit in the streets, bags and rubbish not being collected. Um, you know, I. Yeah, it, you know, I remember sitting in my lounge room listening to uh, the radio powered by a car battery, and we watched the TV. Not that there was any programs to watch powered by a car battery because there was no electricity. And the candles everywhere. I remember candles everywhere, and just being consistently cold and in the dark. Anyway, we come through that, and so we sort of are jaded. So when this metal, um. Uh, new form of music arrives. I don't think that the the cognoscenti or the you know the, the people were really that stressed by it. To be fair, you know, oh, we've had all that. We've we've had the shock of God save the Queen and 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 people looking like aliens. Basically, this is this isn't any different. Um, and Venom will be honest. They they'll admit that they are they're more punk than they are metal than they were. They they really feel themselves as a well, interviews I've seen with them, they considered them sort of more punk than heavy metal. They didn't. They certainly didn't like the moniker of new wave of British heavy metal, which was they just didn't like that. It sort of boxed them in. I think 
Uh, and really, you can't. They're a completely subgenre to it. I don't even think they're new wave of British heavy metal. They're just not. They're just like, like the Beatles weren't pop music towards the end. Like, the, the, you know, um, like the Pistols weren't really. They're punk, but they weren't really punk. Really, it was something completely different outside that that genre, or the stereotype of that genre. Anyway, um, I'm rabbing on, but you know what I'm coming to what I'm going to coming to on the next so what I've talked about today just recap so we talked about um how we perceive the 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 darker side the devil and, and black magic and evil in 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 our in music where it comes from I said I think it comes from the fact that um it's you know we I human beings look at music as a, a spiritual thing even if you might not know that and don't think it, it is a spiritual thing. And therefore, if you do something different and darker and more um, stark, it must be driven by the devil. And then, of course, it moves from that into the lyrical aspect and the visual aspect of it, which is more obvious. You have an album called, like, Welcome to Hell, and you have a band like Satan, you know, Black Sabbath doing Black Sabbath. Of course, these things you know, are going to be more obvious to the to the this will be the less educated people out there or the people that are generally scared of change and or or and the church itself. Um the next episode um next week is going to be about um sort of nineteen eighty onwards and then we'll look at might recap a bit and because I might have forgot things, we're gonna recap night go nineteen eighty onwards. We'll do a bit of the satanic panic which is very interesting. Um, and then we'll look at um, where modern metal is in respect to um, the devil, the darkness, and uh, all things around that. It is Halloween month, so I hope you're ready to um, have a good scare. If you're not into that kind of thing, that's fine. Might be my guest. Look, this is just so interesting. Um, let me give you some homework for you. Uh, do go and listen to um, Venom's Welcome to Hell, if you haven't done it before. Um, listen to At War with Satan, definitely. Listen to Witch Find, Witch Find it's Witch Find with a Y-N-D-E, so Witch Find. Uh, give them hell, do that. And, you know, go back and, and listen to Sabbath's albums, and you would be surprised, try and count how many really are satanic or black most of them are not most of them are not it's a perception and unfortunately it's a label they gave themselves um you know i mean it got returned back when dio came in there was a bit more of that sort of classic darkness and then of course when my favorite when tony martin came in it was more nordic uh, and stuff like that uh, a bit more black again but not as dark yeah do that Give yourself a listen to those. You can get all that stuff on Spotify and YouTube. It's all available. Um, and then when you come out the other side next week, we'll have a chat about the uh, 1980 onwards. I hope you've enjoyed that. Um, and I'll see you and talk to you next week. And remember, not all the creaks behind you on the stairs are what they seem to be. Good night. Bye-bye, guys.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.